Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, everyone. This week on The Command Zone, Josh and I address two user-submitted questions, how to constructively think about tutoring and how to mitigate aggression at the table when players team up and try to take you and your troublesome commander out of the game first. Before we get into it, today's episode is brought to you by Blood Brothers 2, which we've talked about for the past couple of weeks now. It is not a card game, but just like Magic, this is a game that involves a lot of strategy and skill to master, which means I like it. In fact, I like it a lot because it's also a turn-based RPG, and that is a game type that I grew up obsessing over. Blood Brothers 2 reminds me a lot of Final Fantasy Tactics and Advance Wars, which is all about creating and molding armies to destroy your opponents as effectively as possible. And yes, this game has single-player and online PvP as well. The game itself is totally free on Apple and Android devices, so if you get a chance, go on over to the App Store or Google Play and download the game now. You can also find out more and see gameplay by going to bloodbrothers2.com. That's the number two. All right, let's get on to the episode. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. Your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Command Zone. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. It's episode number 30. Ring the bell. Ding, ding, ding. There's always some kind of ringing that happens in every episode. There is? In this case, we're heralding... Bing! Bing. We're heralding the (laughs) entrance of the 30th episode. We got heralds now? Yeah. We are, we are, uh... Heralds of Anna Wong. Anna Wong's, Anna Lee's Kwaiza. Oh, that was just bad. Let's, okay. <laughs> Moving on. All right, and that's the episode. Here's the end step. Josh is going to talk about a podcast. So I'm going to mention the board game, and wow. we're out. Wow. Yeah. No, we, we have a good episode today. We are going to essentially answer two user questions that uh, can obviously be expanded into a much deeper conversation. Um, yeah, and- thanks everybody who's been emailing us. You know, it's it's fun to correspond with everybody. Also, like your questions really lead us to the types of topics that we should cover because yeah. when we're like, oh, we've we've been asked this a few times, that's probably something we should talk about on the podcast. So uh, thanks everybody that's been emailing us. Keep it up. Um, yeah, we really like it. And, we, and yeah. we get back to basically everybody. So, Yep. Unless you're trying to sell us something, in which case we might not get back to you. Unless it's cool, and then I'll buy it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, give me some metal dice. Oh, man. Am it. I in for a whole bunch of people trying to sell me stuff now? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Crap. That was my bad. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we'll just get right into it. The first question for today was, it's an amalgamation of both questions that we found on a Reddit thread we posted a while back. Uh, we asked you guys to ask questions there and also in the comment section of one of our casts. And it's essentially, 
how do I correctly tutor for something? Yeah, sort of how to think how about to think tutoring. about tutoring. Yeah, and how to go about tutoring. Uh, for those not in the know, tutoring is essentially the ability of a card to go search for something in your deck and either put it at the top of your library, into your hand, on the battlefield, or into the graveyard. It's or, any card that goes and finds a specific card for yeah. you. Yeah. So it's more of a searcher than the tutor. Uh, I do like the term tutor, and a lot of the sort of famous cards that are tutors have the name tutor, tutor in it. Right. So, uh, so, Not all, though. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, there are tutors, I believe, in every color, uh, but black is sort of the headlining color for tutoring. Um, black has the most tutors that can go find any cards. Yeah. A lot of the other ones are situational or they're narrow. So green will be able to go find a creature. Yep. Or blue will be able to go find an instant or sorcery. Or white, white can, can find an enchantment or an artifact. Yeah. Um, red has the the least amount, and um, they've got one gamble yeah. that just has a downside. Like red's, you know. Very much in the color Yeah, you can go red. find a card, but then you discard a card randomly from your hand. So you might discard the card you went and find, yeah. found. Or... Yeah, anyway, so... It's crazy, because that card still actually commands a high price, because it it's is... It's very good, the only it? Yeah, it's the only tutor that red has that's a mono-red deck can play well. So black is the best. And there's also some artifact-based mm-hmm. tutors, like Ring of Three Wishes and things like that. Right. And usually right. Ar- the thing the artifact has is they have the downside of just being very mana-intensive. Yeah, yeah. Ring of Three Wishes, I think, is a five-drop, and you have to pay five mana each time to go search for something. But, hey, when you need a card, you need a card. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, obviously, tutoring is very powerful. Uh, it's probably one of the most powerful things you can do in Commander. Uh, we've talked about this before. Um, Josh mentioned this specifically, that you want to create redundancy in your deck where there is not because you get it's a singleton format. Um, in a lot of cases, you know, we've talked about, like, how, how does your deck function without your general? So you have creatures that do similar things. Um, in like a Rafik deck, you have lots of creatures that give Exalted, obviously. Uh, in this case, it's like, how do you function in case you need to find a kill spell that's very specific and you only have one hero's downfall to kill a Planeswalker or whatever, and you, you can't just reliably draw it? Fortunately, you have tutors, and you have cards that are able to search out other cards and bring them to the top of your deck or into your hand. And so being able to do that essentially makes a tutor into a second card of any card that it can grab in your library. So it's almost as though you're playing with two of those cards with sometimes a little time delay. Right, and and tutors are sort of like modal cards, and by mm-hmm. modal I mean the cards that say like choose one, do this or do this or do this. Well, a tutor is a modal card with a whole lot more choices, <laughs> right? Choose like, a lot of things. Yeah, right. Like demonic tutor, which is sort of the the first and the most iconic, and it's the reason that there this card class is kind of called tutor. Is one in a black for a sorcery. It says search your library for a card and put that card into your hand. Then shuffle your library. Um, it was on the originally restricted list, which mm-hmm. meant you could only have one in your deck. It was known as very, very powerful. This card says, it, if, if it had modes, right. it says, Search choose one, yeah. kill a creature, exile a creature, exile all creatures, kill all creatures, yeah. destroy target artifact, destroy target <laughs> enchantment. You know, It also f- says, like, swamp. <laughs> yeah. It also says Elishnorn. Yeah. You know, whatever you've got in your deck, it is that card. And that's one of the great powers of tutors is being situa- mm-hmm. situationally powerful in any instance that you find yourself because it goes and finds the perfect card for that moment. Right. And if it's not the perfect card, it's the darn good bestest card I can grab at that time. If it's not the perfect card, then you don't have the perfect card in your deck. Yeah, right. Which is possible. There's situations that come up and you're just thinking like, wow, 
I don't have a good answer for that in my deck. What's the best I got? And yeah, or go, what's a different line of play? I've sometimes yeah. tutored for a tutor, <laughs> like yeah. to grab a demonic tutor because I needed to be able to Yeah, you can mystical us. tutor for a demonic mm-hmm. tutor. Yeah. I've done that many times. Um, or I demonic tutor for a regrowth. So the tutor can't get something out of your graveyard, right. but it can go get you a card that can get you something out of your graveyard. So that's just super versatile right there. Mm-hmm. So maybe you just want more cards in your hand and you can tutor, tutor for a brain geyser. Yeah, or, I tutor for a consecrated sphinx on numerous yeah. occasions. Just and then it dies In fact, I'd say, like, <laughs> well, we're going to go into it, but early in the game, that's one of the best things you can do is like yeah. you don't need a specific card. You just need gas. Yeah. And so the tutor can go find you the thing that draws you the most cards or will persistently draw you cards. Yeah. Um, so before we delve into the tutoring uh, world, uh, one one thing that often comes up about tutors is the price tag. And I think people uh, think about tutoring and they think about, well, you know, I don't have them in my deck because these are $10 cards, $12 cards, $15 cards. And they $50 can't, cards. 50, some yeah, them, yeah. Some of the, yeah, especially some of the black ones. Um, and it's true. There are tutors that do cost money. Um, and they are expensive, like we've said. They're expensive for a reason. Um, also because they're just not really printed that often anymore because the power level is so high that a lot of the older cards that do it, um, unfortunately, like Demonic Tutor is one in a black for find any card. That is power for just that We're not that likely mana. to see it's like again. Right. Yeah. And if it, yeah, it, it, it would, I mean, like, in this case, Demonic Tutor was reprinted once that I, I can remember, and, and it was in the dual decks. Mm. So you'll see it in specialty products, but you're not going to really see it in a standard legal set anytime soon. Yeah, it it, it seems too powerful. For yeah. I mean, it, when it was in originally in beta, it was restricted, so you could only have one in your deck. Like, that's how powerful it was. I mean, that's yeah. in the days where it was right up there on the same list with moxes and stuff mm-hmm. as, like, you can only have one of these in your deck. Yeah. Well, so if you guys check the show notes today, we're going to put a link in here to metamox.com, and they have a guide to tutors, and they essentially have the full list, and they separate it by every single sort of grouping, uh, whether or not it's instant speed, whether or not it puts it to the graveyard, to the top of your library, into your hand, what color it's in, what it tutors for, and you can actually find that there are lots of tutors that are not pricey whatsoever. They yeah, just there's have a ton different, in the less than a dollar range. Yeah, exactly. They just have different uh, upsides and downsides. For instance, um, Diabolic Intent is uh, one that is, I think, pretty much can be as good as Demonic Tutor. It just has a tiny downside, which, was, which is as an additional cost to play uh, cast Diabolic Intent, sacrifice a creature. It's still one in the black for a sorcery, but you still get to search your library for a card and put it into your hand and shuffle your library afterwards. It's a few dollars cheaper. It has that downside, but like so many EDH decks can pop out a 1-1 token somehow that this is just a minimal, tiny little downside. Yeah, or you, it's just like a two-drop that doesn't isn't doing anything yeah. now on turn nine, and you know you can very often... Or you're like, I'm going to wrath the board, so who cares if I... Right. I'm right. going to go get a wrath. It doesn't matter if I sacrifice one of my creatures because I'm about to kill all creatures. Yeah, and when you are in a, a spot where you need to get a card to essentially either stop someone from winning the game or let you win the game, you don't care if you're going to lose one creature along the way. Yeah, it's either lose the game or lose that creature. Yeah, exactly. Lose the creature. Yeah, and so if you guys look through the list, there are tons in there. One of my favorite tutors is Beseech the Queen, and uh, I actually just put this in my Anafenza deck, and it's uh, two... It's essentially the... CMC for it is six because it, you can either play two colorless or one black. So you can play three black or two colorless, two colorless, two colorless, or any combination of that. And it's a sorcery. It's the most complicated mana cost of all time. I know, right? <laughs> if, if you are heavy on swamps, then this thing only costs three to cast. But it search your library for a card with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of lands you control. Reveal it and put it into your hand. So if you have to cast it for the full cost, you can, you can find anything that's six CMC or lower. So 
for the most part, like if you need to find something, oftentimes like a, something under a three drop, if even you're casting it for three black, is could be the thing you need in an early game, you know. So there, I mean, the tutors are conditional. I highly suggest everyone just look through the list and see what one matches your deck. And if you're like, hey, I could actually live with this, like I can cast this effectively and it would be a good tutor, then check out the price tag because I guarantee you it's not going to be as much as the uh, the big daddy demonic tutor. Or even a Lightning Tutor or Mystical Tutor. All those cards are yeah, sort of up there. Uh, they're up there. They're in the $10 range. Uh, a lot of them are a little above. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but they're, like I, they're often the most powerful cards in your deck because, yeah. because of the um, situational advantage they give you. So yeah. it's very often like the Tutor is one of the best cards in your hand because you're going to sit there, and when you need that perfect answer, you have it. Yeah. And if you don't need the perfect answer, then you go find your combo piece or whatever. We're going to go into the situations of how you use the tutors, I think, next. But. Yeah, exactly. And fortunately for us, a lot of tutoring cards have actually been reprinted recently or banned, and that changes a lot for the price tag as well. It's but, actually good when they get banned unless yeah. they get banned in Commander, which they tend not to. Tend not so, to, yeah. yeah. So you got like Birthing Pod, uh, Court of Calling, which just reprinted M15, Green Sun Xenosaur reprint in the, uh, from the vaults and stuff. So there's lots of cards that you can use. Um, so go and go ahead and search the list, find what's in your colors, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at how many options you have. And tutoring is not as prohibitive as it seems to be. So let's talk about how we use tutors and when we use it. Um, Josh mentioned early game. I think tutoring. If you if you need to tutor in early game and you need you're looking at opponents, you're like I need to race or so and so has a commander that draws them a ton of cards. I'm gonna need to. You know, they have Edric. You know I'm gonna have to fight that somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, grabbing ramp is really important, or grabbing card draw or mana fixing. Um, sometimes just targeted removal in the early game can be really you know, important. If someone's playing Kali against you and you know that they might drop an Avacyn, like, you kind of need to have a path to exile in your hand. Yeah, that's true. Um, I would say also, like, you know, if you if you look up and it's pretty clear they're playing like some sort of aggro creature strategy, like a lot mm-hmm. of low drop creatures, then you need to go find your Sarah Ascendant or you know a your early or, your uh, early wrath effect. Yeah. yeah, that can really change it for you. But uh, I like the first th- two things you said, which are ramp, yeah. and card draw. I think in the early games, in most situations, like those are going to set you up so well for your deck to just play smoothly how it's supposed to play down the line that those are usually the two things I get. If, I, if I'm casting a tutor before turn four, yeah. it's usually for one of those things. I've tutored for a soul ring on many oh, yeah. occasions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's almost always something like that or card, or card mm-hmm. draw. So it's either like I have plenty of ramp in my hand and I'm just going to need cards to cast with all that mana. Right. Or else I have plenty of gas in my hand and I'm just going to need mana to cast all that stuff. And so the, the tutor can get you either of those Yeah, things. I think you would generally find you're in one of those two camps. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, I also like, I mean, if you're really in a bind, you can grab fixing, like a Chromatic Lantern or just the land you need. Well, and a Chromatic know. Lantern is ramp. Yeah. So it sort of works as both. I mean, it's not the best ramp card ever, but it is ramp. So yeah. And you good. don't have to worry about mana for the rest of the game, which is nice. Or yeah. Blood Moons, for that matter, right? Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's true. It kind of gets around it. <laughs> um, the other thing I would say as a possibility early game is just uh, a heavy synergy piece or a combo piece. Right. You know, like if you're playing Prosh you're almost always going to just want to go find Perforos. Yeah, or Just depending season. on how cutthroat you're feeling. But, you know, with Perforos out, and he's so hard to get rid of if he's not a creature, that mm-hmm. you're just in such a commanding position in the game. And, and not even with him out, just with him in your hand. You can usually find your spot to just kill everyone. Right. So a lot of times in that deck, you just go find Prosh. You know, or whenever Perforos. you can, or sorry, you go find Perforos. Yeah. I mean, well, whenever you has he been tucked. If, if Prosh got tucked, <laughs> then you go find him. But yeah, sorry, that got confusing. But yeah, perf- in certain decks, there are cards, 
you know, I'm just using yeah. Perforos in the Prosh deck as... It's a good example. Yeah, as an example of that. But in other decks, there will be just that one card you know that just makes the deck mm-hmm. so powerful. In some decks, it's Avacyn, you know. And, and whatever yeah. that card is, like that, it, it, you're fine at any point going to get that card. Pretty much. I think if you're playing like a Kalia deck, you definitely go search out Avacyn. Yeah, you go search out Avacyn. Um, if you're playing, for instance, my Super Friends deck, you got to grab Doubling Season. Because yeah. the whole point is to get, or, or to ferry if you have doubling season, so you can do the ultimate and just go nuts and do what the deck wants to do. Yeah, exactly. Or you might find Chain Veil, maybe yeah. if you already have a bunch of playing Swalkers. But those, those are, that's the other consideration, is just the heavy synergy cards. If, if your playgroup is okay with like two card infinite combos and that's what you're <laughs> doing, like, yeah, then you go find that. I yeah. Mean, yeah, 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 totally. Um, and one last thing to note about this before we talk about the other times of the game that you use it is. It does make a big deal what the card says and whether or not you reveal the card to yes, your opponents. Yes, good point. Because uh, Demonic Tutor is also very good because you don't show it to anyone. Beseech the Queen, you don't show anyone. But a lot of these cards, it's like... Um, uh, Mystical Tutor, mystical you have tutor. to show it. Enlightened yeah. Tutor, you have to show it. Worldly and you put tutor, it on top of the top of your it. library, yeah. too. So if you have one of those tutors that you're revealing the card before you're putting it on top of your library or in your hand, then maybe you don't go get Perforos. Mm-hmm. Because having Perforos in your hand, if you're playing the Prosh deck or whatever... Everyone knows what the capabilities are, and yeah. so you're going to get the same amount of aggro that you might normally get. So it's another reason Demonic Tutor is so good, because you don't reveal it. Mm-hmm. You put it directly in your hand. They don't know what you got. And in a lot of cases, if it's like a one-drop, you can play it the same turn you tutor for it, which yeah. is very important. Um, so that's early game. Get ramp, get fixing, get a fast answer or targeted removal. Um, mid-game, it sort of... mid Early to mid stays the same. I mean, I think you're always... You, the option to always grab removal is always on the list for tutoring because you're always, I mean, grabbing a path to exile or grabbing just anything that can, even a deicide if you're going against a Perforos deck or something, you know, just something to get rid of something that you know is not going to let you win the game. Pretty much very important. And there's also, at this point, I think board wipes are when mid-game is when you would search one out. Yeah, definitely when it's getting really scary out there and you're like, uh uh-oh, I don't have a lot of creatures, or this yeah. player's way ahead, or I just need to re- hit, hit the reset button. You know, board wipes are way... That's the point in the game around turn 7 to 9, yeah. 6 to 9, when people play a lot of board wipes, and or when you're likely to need them because people are getting set up into those scary spots. Mm-hmm. I think that you're more likely in this area to grab that big synergy piece or... Um, you know, one of those pieces that, you know, your deck is usually built with some things in it that are specifically meant to protect your plan. Yeah. And so, like, Avacyn's, like, one of those. Like, you just want your stuff to be indestructible, and that's a big part of your plan. Or, you know, if you're playing uh, Derivi, then you maybe that's where you go get Stasis or Winter Orb or one of those, you know, lockdown effects that's right. going to allow you... Or You know, that's the point in the game where, where that stuff's really going to be, yeah. you know, important. Because earlier in the game card draw would be better than just drawing one of those with your tutor most of the time because you're right. not ready to play it out on the table yet. And so really, you're just likely to draw one of those effects naturally if you're just drawing enough cards. Yeah. But in the middle of the game, you now you actually need... You're going to have to win in the next like five, six turns. And so you you know card draw, you may or may not need it, but the specific card's now more important. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, it sort of feels like when you first cast a tutor in the early turns, the modal ability that it quote-unquote has, the list is full. You know, it's all 90 or however many cards in your library. But you're really only realistically getting, you know, a certain percentage of them. And as the game goes forward and the, the board gets developed around you, like, more options pop up as things that you could You need more specific stuff. Yeah, you exactly. Know, early on, you need more broad stuff. And yeah. then as the game, as the story starts to get told, well, now you know, like, oh, there's a 
there's one of the gods from Theros over there, and there's mm. only very specific cards that deal with those, so I need one of those. Or this person's got this combo lock set up, and there's yeah. only specific cards that get through that. This and enchantment so, is stopping everyone from being able to kill this person, and if they, exactly. they can build up their board or whatever. They're or maybe you're the guy. You just need your true. You just need your ghostly prison out to to, to make it so you'll survive. Or you're like counter a spell, right? right. <laughs> just to stay. Or you yeah, because you're like I have whatever. everything I need. I just need to make sure that it actually that it lands or that they yeah. don't kill it right away. So all I need is my counter spell, and then I feel like I'm safe to pull off my plan. Yeah. Even some things like Maze of Ith, I think, could be something you grab like, oh, crap, I'm just getting hammered by this general. Or even like uh, that new land, Arcane Lighthouse, like someone's got a cigar that out. Well, you know what? May as well just get this land out that helps everyone get rid of certain hexproof guys or shrouded guys. So that's all very important. And, of course, this all leads to the late game. Um, And here we've got finishers, board wipes again, targeter removal as always. And this is where I think you really need to find the thing that affects the board in the most broad way possible. The thing that's going to win you the game, yeah. ideally. You know, this is where you go get Insurrection. Yeah. You know, Insurrection's great, but it's horrible when you draw it on turn two. <laughs> and that's why you wouldn't want a deck that had, you know, 50 Insurrections in it. Even though that card is bonkers, crazy, and every time you play it, it feels like you win. Yeah. But if you had four of them in your hand, it would be horrible. Yep. But a tutor is an Insurrection... But it's only an insurrection when you could actually cast insurrection. Otherwise, <laughs> it's Wrath of God, you know, or it's Counterspell, or it's mm-hmm. one of your other cards. So, yeah, I think the late game is really the point. You know, when somebody tutors on and they've got 20 mana available, that's the scariest thing. Yeah. They can go get the anything in their deck that's usually going to be like one of those potentially game-winning cards. Yeah, or, or like you were saying, the last combo piece. Like, all they needed yep. was a sacrifice outlet, and they're Boom. ready to go. Yep. Yeah. And now the engine's going, and we can't stop it. Yeah, so the big question here is, what should you grab? And, like, what if I choose wrong? What if I don't get the right thing? And there have been many times where I've tutored for something, and then two turns later I go, after seeing something that's happened, being like, oh, I grabbed the completely wrong thing for this situation like i i could have just grabbed this and would have solved four of my issues instead of just solving two of them or whatever right so that is sort of like an overwhelming question sometimes because also like the clock's on right everyone's watching you sift through your giant deck and then (laughs) if you get to the end and stop and go one sec and start over again like you're gonna draw some hate and i think we've all been there um so there's a couple of questions you should be asking, um, and the first is one that I've learned from limited resources, which is who's the beatdown and who's the control. And so, right, it's where are you on the scale of like, are you likely to win a faster game or a longer game? Yeah, and are you the one that's aggressing? Therefore, you don't need something to like us, like uh, like a ghostly prison to stop people from attacking you. Right, or do you need something that you know you're getting beat down and you have to grab a wrath? Right. So being able to like appropriately look at the board and figure out where you stand sort of on the hill and who's king and who's not and who's fighting for it and who's just sort of watching from the side um, makes a big difference. Um, also, you know, the card you grab should have a game plan behind it. Now, if the game plan is just insurrection win the game, then awesome. But if you're in the early stages and let's say that um, someone's playing a token strategy and you're like, well, you know what, maybe in this case Golgari Charm is the best thing I can get. Because it can house all their tokens, but it can also give my guys indestructible if I need it to be. It's a modal spell. It gives me flexibility. Mm-hmm. So being able to figure out, okay, if I grab this card and it turns out that someone else is just going to wrath the board anyway, then maybe I should get a card that has more options to it. 
Um, so thinking about how you're going to win the game and planning your tutoring around that is really good. And that's mainly the point is just giving yourself the best possible chance. So don't tutor for something huge, being like, hey, guys, I'm going to mystical tutor for an insurrection to the top of my deck, and everyone sees it, and one person just, well, I'll hold up two mana and stop you when you cast it. If you're going to do that, you have to do it on the end step before your turn. Yeah. So that everybody else made their plans not knowing what that card was. Um, yeah, that's a, it's, it's a good point. It Sort of knowing the landscape that's out there. You know, it's good to be really patient with tutors, too. Yeah. You know, you'll need to fire them off as soon as you can, too. Yeah, right? usually playing them on turn two is not a great idea. The only reason I would really ever play my tutor that early is if I only kept my starting hand because it had that tutor and I knew I was going to be able to go get this specific right. card that's going to sort of save this this crappy draw that I have. And, you know, I keep hands all the time, and that's the case. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But if you just draw into your tutor and you just have it and you're just like, I got worldly tutor. Let's see what I can go get. <laughs> Usually it's better to just hold off yeah. and w- wait for the board to develop. And then you're going to really, because you want the most information you, that you can get before you use your tutor. So you know exactly what you should go get. Mm-hmm. Like if the board's not really developed and nothing's happening, you know, that's really scary. Then using your tutor at that point really cuts your legs off later when it's like, man, I wish I, I would have wanted to go get this because, right. because I didn't know he was going to cast that. Right, and also just the idea that you are, you know, if you're tutoring for something on turn two that you can't cast until turn six, well, then maybe there's a better two-drop in your hand that you can drop out, you know. Or maybe you're just better off waiting until you can tutor and play it in the same turn because things may have changed so drastically by then. Right, and, it, and if you need that thing on turn six and you haven't cast your tutor yet, then you can go get it. Yeah. But if something happens where you're literally going to die on turn four or five, now you can go get the thing that keeps you from dying. And it's like, it doesn't matter if you if you go get that six drop yet, you couldn't yeah. play it anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah, appropriately sequencing, I think, is really important here. Because let's say you have a one drop, or let's say you have a two drop, a three drop, and no four drop, or no five drop. Right. And so, like, realistically, you can be like, well, I can, you know, if I draw a three drop by turn five, I can do this and tutor at the same time. So there's going to be a lot of times where you have mana untapped. You're not going to use every single one of your mana every single turn. So hold off on tutoring if you think it's necessary, unless you desperately just need that combo piece at that moment in the beginning. Or you're like, hey, if I don't get the soul ring right now, then my whole game plan is going to be squashed or whatever. I like what you said about sequencing, too. A lot of times I'll look at my hand... And I'll say, well, I'll tutor now because I know that next turn I can play this, and the turn after that I'll hit my land drop, and I'll play this, mm-hmm. and then the turn after that I'll play my commander maybe. And so it's like, well, I'll play it now because otherwise I'm not playing it for four turns. Yeah, you know. And so just to use all my mana, I'll do it. Um, in commander, that's less important than regular magic. But again, there there are there are instances where like, yeah, looking at the sequencing, I might play it a little suboptimally. Yeah, which is fine. You know. A little public service announcement here, too. Like, <laughs> when you go to tutor, have some idea of what you're getting most of the time if you can. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, it's pretty bad if someone's shuffling through their deck and try, literally at that moment at trying that to moment. decide what they're getting, too, and everybody's staring at them. And something we do in our play group, and I think a lot of play groups do, and is fine, is like, if I tutor and I'm literally out of mana or I'm not going to cast what I'm going to get, then I'll just say, okay, go ahead. You know? Yeah. That's and, really important. Like, yeah, you, and you made your land drop, you tapped out, you're tutoring for something, you don't need to just sit there and be like, hold on, I need to go through my full phases. <laughs> right, right. Now, sometimes that can get a little bit Hairy. iffy because somebody might play something and you're like, well, I wish I would have tutored for this. Right. You know, so, 
you have to sort of navigate that. But in general, that's only going to come up rarely. Yeah. So most of the time, you, our play group's pretty good. Is like, I'm going to Mystical Tutor. I'm going to do it on my end step before my turn, but I'm just going to start doing it now because yeah. it'll take a while. So you go ahead and go. You yeah. know, And if I say things like that, then I can get the answer because I would have known that information. Mm-hmm. So just to speed up play in that manner... That's my that's my PSA. Yeah, as long as it, it's just sort of like what judges will say is like maintain a clear board state and just maintain a clear like conversation line with everyone. So you're like you're going okay, so it's gonna be five turns before I technically will cast this. I'm just gonna cast it now, but I'm not gonna choose the card until that person says I pass turn. So yeah. you know you can have a couple of options. You know you're sort of judging it around, and you know since you're drawing the card, you don't need to sit there and shuffle your deck. You can draw the card, play your turn out, and then shuffle your deck up. You know there it, it's a little sloppy. But as long as you are very clear about what you're doing, I think it helps in the long run to make the game go a lot smoother, too. Really just making the game run as fast as possible is, <laughs> is, is a really big bonus. Yeah. we. I mean, we could probably spend an episode and talk about that. Just <laughs> just that. How to play. Common courtesy. Yeah, common courtesy and how to play just, I don't know, not, <laughs> not too slowly. Um, so a couple of notes on politics about tutoring stuff. If you're revealing the card, like with a mystical tutor, um, it's important information and it, you know, just... I wouldn't make a huge deal out of whatever, whatever you're grabbing. Like, uh, like last night I played the game and I just tutored for a. Uh, it's two in the black and you get to pay uh, X life to give each creature minus X minus X. Toxic deluge. Toxic deluge. Yeah, and I, I I tutored for it and I said, hey guys, just need a board wipe. And everyone's like, all right, cool. I put it on top instead yeah. of being like, I tutor for this. And everyone looks at it and then has to make their own. You know, you can put your own spin on your own card, whatever you're tutoring up. Now, if you're tutoring up something just like an Ophidian Eye and you're playing Niv-Mizzet, you can't really justify that. Uh, you have to make sure that the whole table's aware of what you got. Yeah. Like, there's no hiding it. So, yeah. you know. But there I, is I twisting just, of yes. the information. And it does matter <laughs> how you, you it's, it's a it. really good point. It matters how you say it. Yeah. You know, if you go, guys, I'm getting Ophidian Eye. <laughs> Even though I don't know what the hell that does, I know like wait wait a minute. Let me I'm gonna be like, let me see that. Yeah. Oh crap. Yeah, like, right. you know, like that so it's smart to say it in a manner that's just like, uh yeah, I'm just getting no video now. Yeah. And then make sure that everyone acknowledges it. Don't try and sneak it, but you can be sneaky by the way you say it. Yeah, yeah. Cards like that really affect the board too, like board wipes, wash out, cyclonic rifts. Like people will know what the card does and it's up to you to I guess not draw too much hate for doing it. Everyone's gonna be tutoring at some point, I think, but you can sort of control the flow of information there. Um, and if you're not revealing the card either, don't don't make a big deal out of that too. You know, you're just putting a card in your hand and it could be literally anything. It could be a soul ring, it could be a mountain, it could be the game ender. Or you can do things like, you know, everyone there's usually a card out and a lot of players are like, Can you do anything about that? Can you do anything about right. that? And you're like, Hold on, tutor, don't worry, I got this. <laughs> You, you can don't say things it. like that, but you don't even have to go grab the thing yeah. that gets rid of that, you know, because maybe that, that card doesn't worry you that much. Yeah, and that's happened a bunch of times oh, yeah. where we turn them like, you said you got it. And it's like, yeah, I drew a card draw spell thinking I could all oh, eventually get it, right? Yeah, I'm not worried about it. I knew it was going to hit you first. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so some final notes. Tutors are an investment, but it, they're, I'd say, the most sound investment you can make both for your deck and just sort of in general, like tutors are so powerful and commander isn't only is, is a form that's only going to grow. So it's, if you, if you decide to drop a couple of bucks, it's not it, that in lands, you know, it's not the worst thing to be buying. That's a really awesome point about how the format's growing. The game's growing. A tutor is not just every card in your deck. Now it's every card in your deck <laughs> next the, year. Yeah. And the year after that. And that's why demonic tutor is just always going to be good. Because it's always going to go get the best creature or the best instant or the best sorcery in your deck. Now, that instant or sorcery may change because they may print a better one tomorrow. Right. You know, they may print Seed Rhino or whatever. 
And, well, that tutor is now Siege Rhino and not whatever <laughs> creature used to be in your deck. And that's, that's why they're a really good investment because they're going to scale with your deck really, That's a really great well. point. Yeah. Yeah. Have a card that grows with the history of magic. That Badlands is always going to be good because it's coming into play untapped and taps for two mana. I will say quickly here just to address there is a little bit of a movement in some quarters. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of the 75% kind of makes an argument against yeah, it too. Yeah, towards not using tutors as much. And I totally understand it. And, you know, if that's something your play group does, that's great. Mm-hmm. Or if, you know, if you think the power level is just too high with tutors, you know, something that we've heard a lot of people come on the show and talk about is this idea that if my deck uh, wins in the same way every time, maybe there's an issue. Yeah. You know, and again, we, Jimmy and I are very careful not to tell people how to play or what's fun for them. And so, like, using every tutor is great. In fact, our play group is pretty fine about all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So you can use every tutor, and you can do crazy stuff. And, you know, you might go get a Fiddy and I and put it on Niv-Mizzet, and somebody may do that, and that's fine. Um, but if your play group's not cool with that, then that's something to be aware of also. Yeah. You know. And I guess, if, like you said, if, if you are tutoring up the exact same win condition every single time, then... I don't know. You're playing Commander. You got 99 Singleton. It's a Singleton format. You right. know, if you're if you're choosing four of those cards and winning with those four each time, then why are you even playing Commander? You know, just go go do a constructed format if you want that level of consistency mm-hmm. with your win condition. You know, if you go play Splinter Twin or whatever. To me, I like to build decks that aren't around the Commander, as we've talked about many mm-hmm. times. So tutors are like I must-haves for that plan, right? Because yeah. if I'm going to build a Commander deck around an enchantment. Well, then I have to be, have a reasonable expectation yeah. of getting that enchantment. And there's no way for that to happen if I don't have four or five tutors. Because how the heck am I ever going to find the one card if I don't have any other way to find it? So, But that, to me, is fine because the enchantment is just this... Now I'm just on the even playing field with everybody because I got my card out. Their commander is in their command zone. Yeah. So that's another way to look at it. Just when you're deck building, you can tutors allow you to build decks that you might not otherwise be able to build. Mm-hmm. And you can even say the same for decks that really heavily rely on their commanders because if, you know, if you get tucked, if you get tucked, then hey, you're just as reliant on that tutor now and no one's going to fault you for tutoring for your own general uh, yeah, own deck. Yeah, exactly. Unless they're really stingy about it then. <laughs> but yeah, my, it, we're really chill about what happens in our playgroup. And, you know, your playgroup may not be the same. It's just a discussion that we'll need to be have had around the table. But nothing game-breaking here, at the very least. Especially when, not when there are all these really well-costed tutors, like Diabolic Tutor or Increasing Ambition. It's hard to say cards. Diabolic Tutor is incredibly broken. It's four mana. Yeah. So that's just tax on such... It's, it's such a tax on the card that you go get that... Yeah, it's like, well, there's a lot of chances to stop that because any card you go get, you're going to have to then cast. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got eight or nine mana, like you could have easily drawn like Insurrection or something crazy mm-hmm. and, and played that out. So, or Omniscience or something nutso. So, yeah. Yeah. That's still powerful, but just different levels. Right. Yeah. Next up, Josh answers a question from a listener in Egypt. Hello to all our international listeners. But before that, we're taking a few seconds to let you know that the episode today is brought to you by Blood Brothers 2, a new dark fantasy RPG that is free on Apple and Android devices. One of the reasons that I'm actually pretty excited to talk about this game is that there are a number of parallels between it and Commander specifically. For one, the game is all about customization and creating your own armies to take to battle. Sound familiar? You're training troops, evolving warriors, researching technology, and creating better gear, and it kind of feels like you're updating and upgrading an EDH deck, except in this case, it costs you nothing. Added on to that, you've got options for diplomacy when recruiting enemies, and you have a commander that leads your troops into battle with specific stat bonuses, so the game actually feels a lot like EDH. 
Find out more. You can go watch trailers and gameplay at bloodbrothers2.com. That's the number two. Or just download it for free and try it out on the App Store or Google Play. All right, let's get on to our second user question for this week's episode. So I've been talking to a guy over email, and his name is Zied from Egypt. And I'm going to paraphrase his email, but it was a really interesting discussion. Before you start, though, so cool that Magic's being played in Egypt. I don't really think about it quite often, but it's an international game. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, watching the you world look at the stats from, like our, crazy. Um, it's awesome. from our podcast, it's crazy. Like, we have, we have tons of listeners in the Philippines and oh, like awesome. India and all over. So it's, nice. hey, hola, hello. I don't Bonjour. To all the uh, the international folks, we're really glad you listen. Uh, Actually, I don't know if you're if you're in an Asian country, you're probably not listening to an English podcast. <laughs> no, there's tons. There's plenty. Really? Of, there's some in Woo-hoo! Japan and like yeah. All no. right, awesome. Yeah, we, we, go, we obviously do better in uh, the UK and Australia <laughs> and places they speak English. Right. Philippines speak English, obviously. We but should. We'll India. never try and fake an accent though. So don't worry, guys. Except we for the we did we did once. UK like a couple episodes ago. Yeah, I'll definitely try again at some point. So I'll try speak for yourself, Jimmy. Yeah. We will do Joker impressions, though. <laughs> Guaranteed a couple of Jack Nicholson Joker impressions. So um, Zied says, again, I'm going to paraphrase, but it's a pretty common problem. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard people complain about this before. He basically says that everyone in his playgroup has pretty fast decks. They have Egger decks, and he's built a Jaleva deck from the Mindseas uh, Commander 2013 product. Yeah, I yeah. love Jaleva. And it takes a little while to get going, but everyone in his playgroup has sort of learned that it's very strong in the late game. And as a result, the playgroup has started to focus him, really target him to knock him out of the game before his deck can really get going. And Oof. It's pretty frustrating for him, and you know, especially I can if that's understand. your only deck too. Yeah, exactly, right. and I and I can understand like he's like, ah, what should I do? It's not super fun to play because it's hard to take on all comers. Like it's hard to just sit down and they've just mm-hmm. already teaming up to take you down. So he was asking what he could do uh, to make his deck still playable because it's not. Fun. It's he's he was saying it was starting to get not fun to play. Yeah, and so there's a lot of things you see. It do. also has a a healthy commute to get to oh yeah he was saying he has a two-hour commute and then he listens to the podcast over the two-hour commute so first of all that's a long commute man yeah you can like get through one and a half of our episodes that's crazy (laughs) on average i guess i think we're like an hour and a half or something so i'm going to answer this question generally because i've already talked to him uh specifically about Mm -hmm. his deck but i thought it was an interesting question and 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 something that's come up we've heard people talk about it before especially like spiky players will talk about how a lot of times they sit down at the table and the play group immediately comes after them because they're the scary player at the table or if you flip over something like Rafik or something, like they people know who to target so that they have the best chance of not dying. <laughs> right. So a lot of times the question is, how do I build my deck in a way, or what are some cards or some thoughts, or how do I play mm-hmm. that allows me to sort of you know fight against that idea that like oh three players might team up and come at me and right. and so there's really a couple ways to approach it. There's there's sort of two basic ways. Mm-hmm. One is with cards. Yep. And the other is with the social aspect or the politics. So I'm gonna wait. Wait, there's a third way. What's the third way? Both. <laughs> <laughs> well, all both involve cards. Right, right, right. One involves politics more heavily, and one doesn't really involve politics yeah, at all. Yeah. So, yeah, just talking about cards. There's questions you want to ask yourself about your playgroup when they're doing this, and and the questions are, how is it that they're killing me? You know, are they using instants and sorceries or some sort of combo? Mm-hmm. You know, is it creatures? And then. Is it a, what what kind of creatures? Is it a lot of little creatures? Is it tokens? Is it big Voltroni stuff that they're suiting up and coming after you? Those are the questions you want to ask because if they're teaming up and coming after you, you're going to want specific answers mm-hmm. to fight specifically what they're doing, especially in a play group 
again, this usually only happens in a playgroup where people don't have a lot of decks because they're yeah. coming after you because of your deck. And if you had three or four different ones... Right, they only needed one bad taste in their mouth to know that they don't want your deck to live the long game or whatever. Right, exactly. But if you have three or four different decks, then they're not coming after you every game because mm-hmm. you've, you're, you're switching your deck out and they're varying power levels. So, right, right. So they've usually got like specific things coming at you. So let's say it's a lot of small creatures, just as an example. Mm-hmm. Well, against a lot of small creatures usually want wrath effects. Right. But because they're coming at you early in the game specifically, then you don't want the big expensive ones. Faded Retribution, seven mana, even though it's an instant. It's just not going to do you any good. Yeah. Their whole plan is kill you before you get to the late game. Seven mana is the late game. Yeah. You need the cheap wraths, the four mana costed wraths. The Toxic Deluges. Yeah, Toxic Deluge, two and a black. Pay some life, give every creature minus X, minus X, where X is the amount of life you paid. You know, that's a great one. It only costs three. Yeah. It's one of the better wraths out there. And because you're in Commander and you start with such a healthy life total, you can a lot of times on turn three or four totally set them back to the Stone Age. <laughs> and then you're And then re- all they have is artifacts, just like the Stone Age. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're ready to sort of make it to the late game from there. Yeah. There's something like Supreme Verdict, which is a yep. blue and white wrath, four mana, can't be countered, destroy all creatures. Mm-hmm. Even just good old Wrath of God, it's four mana, two and two white. Yeah, and the just, big daddy. Just, just destroy all creatures. They can't be regenerated. That's a great one. Blasphemous Act. Oh, yes. We've talked about this many times. Especially it's, against token decks. Yeah, it's eight in a red. It does th- 13 damage to each creature, but it costs one less for every creature on the battlefield. So it scales really well mm-hmm. with what's happening out there. Like, if there's four creatures then it's only going to cost you five mana. But if there's only yeah. four creatures, it's probably not that dire. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. But if there's 12 creatures, well, then it only costs one red mana. And the nice thing about Wraths, too, is that they don't target specifically. So right. they get rid of Hexproof Commanders. It, wrath, wraths are... I mean, we could do another whole episode on Wraths, too. Yeah, but Wraths yeah. are one of the most important things. Every deck wants them, even decks that you wouldn't think would want them, because mm-hmm. it never goes to plan, right? What's the old saying? Like... The best laid plans only last until the first arrow is unleashed. Like, oh right, yeah. yeah it's just like you can have a plan where my deck's going to do this and it's going to do all this awesome stuff, and then it's like, man, I wish I had a wrath because, yeah, didn't, you know, he killed my first thing I put out, then he killed my awesome artifact, and now or, I'm doing nothing, and they yeah. have twelve creatures each. You know, if I just had a wrath, that'd be cool. One person wheel of fortune, and I watch my dreams go down the <laughs> toilet. You know, um, and then like blue has things like now. Normally we'd say cyclonic rift, but cyclonic mm-hmm. rift. Costs a lot Costs of mana. Yeah, it's six to... Well, I mean, so Cyclonic Rift is one of the cards that has overload on it. You can change yes. uh, each instance of the text from target to each. Or, like, so y- you can pay extra for it. So Cyclonic Rift normally is just a two-mana bounce spell, but it turns into a six-mana bounce everything that's a non-land perm that's not yours. Right. It's an amazing card. It should be in your deck if you have blue. Yeah. But it doesn't solve the problem here of, like, they're killing me early because right. it costs so much mana. So something like Whelming Wave which is a new card, I think, from Born of the Gods, and it's two and two blue, and it bounces almost every creature. What The things it doesn't oh, bounce... yeah. yeah. It I says, love this card. I yeah. can't believe I don't play more of this. It says, return all creatures to their owner's hands, except for krakens, leviathans, octopuses, and serpents. So... So basically the Greek... <laughs> the Greek sea water gods. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So basically it's going to bounce everything back to everybody's hand. Yeah. And, and, it's got and, great flavor text, too. Yep, and it only costs... Uh, Two and two blue. This also gets around indestructible. Mm-hmm. You know, it gets around some of the things they'll have put in place to protect their creatures because a lot of creatures aren't protected from being bounced back to the yeah. hand. Not to mention, it gets. A, I mean, you can two for one someone so easily if they've got enchantments on their yep. creatures. Yep. Uh, yeah, all so, the equip costs they have to get repaid. 
all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's just going to slow them down, right? A lot of people don't like these cards because it's like, well, just they still keep the card. But like, really, whoa, they if, might have to discard half their hand next time. Even if they don't, what you're trying to do is get to the late game, right? Because they've already said your deck is too powerful in the late game. Yeah. So you're not actually trying to win the game right now. You're just trying to get to the turns where you will win the game. And they're trying to kill you before that happens. Yeah. So those are some examples of Wraths. Let um, the clock tick in your favor. Exactly. Uh, now, what if they're coming at you with big Voltron-y type threats? Like, not 12 creatures, mm-hmm. but one really big one. You know, this is <laughs> this where... This is Commander, after all. Yeah, this is where pinpoint removal comes in. So if that's the kind of thing you're facing, and they're, they're literally like Shu Yun, you know, mm-hmm. strap a big enchantment onto them and then double strike you on turn five for like 17. Thanks, Rev. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How could you double strike for 17? That's a bad... That's bad Yeah, that is bad It would math. have to be 18. It has to be an even number. It has number. to be an even number. Come on, yeah. Josh. My bad. I'll do better. <laughs> um, then, then you need pinpoint removal. And, you know, we've talked many many times about these type of cards yeah swords to plowshares path to exile oblation oblation's chaos a great warps. one chaos warps and those actually work really good against generals because they mm-hmm. tuck them hinder um, hinder this is where cyclonic rift's really good actually because it bounces the creature yeah and don't be afraid to use cyclonic rift on just one big creature that's fine yeah and then you know Cyclo- the reason cyclonic rift is awesome is because if you do get to six mana then you bounce everybody's everything yeah I mean, not to mention just the the tempo loss, too, because if, let's say, like, someone, let's say everyone's going after you. They're like, all right, we're going to kill this guy. We just don't want him to get to the late game. Everyone's all cackling, and they laughing together. And then the guy that has the giant 18-18 uh, general, it gets bounced to his hand, and he's left with nothing. Right. And everyone goes, well, he was about to kill him in one swing. That means he was also about to kill Anybody he me. wanted to yeah, in one, one swing. swing. Yeah. yeah. So it's nice, because it leaves them open, and it also takes the heat off of you, and you're, you can be seen as a hero. <laughs> Uh, there's also cards like Utter End. Uh, you uh, want yeah. you really want exile effects if you can. Utter End is a two, a black, and a white, and it's just um, exile target non-land permanent. Yep. There's something like Vindicate, which is almost the same thing, but it destroys, and you can t- you can take out a land, and it costs one less. So it's one, a black, and a white for destroy target permanent. It's got a little Tie Fighter on it too. I love the art. <laughs> <laughs> um, so pinpoint removal is good against Voltroni type stuff. Mm-hmm. Then there's what I'd call persistent creature hate. Ugh, you do love this category more than this category. The, than the normal human yeah. should be allowed to love this category. Josh. This this category doesn't get enough play, and it's really I effective agree. against what's happening. You know, against if if you're gonna have the type of deck that's gonna have to fight off two three players coming at you at once, which I tend to play a lot of those decks. Yeah, um, you need these cards. Then you need these cards. Humility, we've talked about, is an enchantment that it says each creature loses all abilities and is a 1-1 one, one creature. <laughs> so that just like totally neuters all their guys, right? Yeah. You so, could still die to like a huge counter strategy, but you're not going to die to thing, like pretty much all everything else that's going to kill you. Right. It's going to take longer for them to kill you, right? It, mm-hmm. Now, if they've got a token deck, this doesn't do anything, so maybe you don't have it. Yeah. But if they're killing you by just playing a few certain specific creatures and then swinging at you, then humility is going to totally make it so that instead of killing you in three turns, in three swings, it takes nine swings. You know, that's fine because then you get to the late game and well, that's what we're trying to do. Yep. Anything uh, that gives you just that one extra turn, if, you're, if this is your goal, it's really good. Yeah. And the great thing about the persistent creature hate section is that a wrath, you play it, it kills everything or bounces everything or whatever. But then they start playing stuff again, and everything's mm-hmm. normal. What Persistent Creature Hate does is it changes the rules of the game from here moving forward. Yeah. 
You know, and so if you play a card like, yeah, this is a good one. Propaganda, two in the blue enchantment. Creatures can't attack you unless they're controlled. It pays two for each creature he or she controls that's attacking you. That just, I've seen this so many times where it's like, you could just pay two mana and get in for like 10 commander damage, but the guy's looking at a card in their hand. They're like, well, I need that two mana to play this card this turn. So I'd rather cast cards. I'd rather cast a card. Yeah, I'm just going to swing at someone else. Yeah. You know, if there's three other opponents and it's like, it's going to really it's really going to put me back to just attack you and I have other targets, then I'm just going to go after the other targets. It only makes sense. Yep. Uh, Ghostly Prison is the white version of that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's cards like Pendril Mists. Oh, I Pendril Mists is, well, the card that this card is based off of is uh, called Tabernacle at Pendril Vale, yeah. which is an extremely expensive <laughs> land. <laughs> so I didn't list one that one. Flesh. If you have the Tabernacle, yes, play that. But you, if you have it, you already know about it. But Pendril Mist is an enchantment version. It's three and a blue. It says, all creatures have this text. At the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice this creature unless you pay one colorless. So, <sighs> Jeez. Token just, strategies just cry. Yep. It just makes it very hard to have a lot of creatures on the table because you have to pay their upkeep. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they're, they're gone. So what this does is it just slows the game down. It yeah. just makes it so they can't play out as many creatures. And it's nice, too, because, I mean, for the most part, I don't think anyone's going to be unhappy that you're stopping someone from tokening out like crazy well remember we're in a situation where they're coming at you right this is happening where you already know going into the game that they're going to target you right so normally this card would just piss everybody off but you already know you're in that situation going in so you can just play these cards the hate out yeah yeah because you're what are you going to do you're going to paint a target on you you have you're walking in with the target yeah exactly that's a good point so that's the advantage here is you can play the cards that are sort of like otherwise pretty reviled well, I mean, at the same time, though, Pendulous isn't the worst. You no, know? it's not. For it's a lot like, of decks, they don't yeah, care. For a lot of decks, a Rafik like, deck doesn't mind much. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's interesting because, like, propaganda again, it only affects your board, so it right. doesn't really kill everyone else. It doesn't make humility. Of course, you're going to raise some, make, make help people a couple a little angry, but <laughs> but something like propaganda, you're not going to actually actively make people hate you for that. It's true because it doesn't affect a, them at all, and it's still a super effective card, which is great. Uh, a card I like in this same section is called. Well, I'm going to butcher how you. Portculus. 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 It sounds like a wine. It's from Stronghold. I said the name of the set. Oh, the last one. Pendulous is from Weatherlight. Okay. Um, yeah, we were supposed to do that more, and we've been forgetting. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Port Portculus from Stronghold. It's an artifact. It's a four drop. Again, remember we want these uh, spells to be cheap because they mm-hmm. don't do us any good if they cost six, seven mana. Because right. Because that's the turn you're dying by. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to kill you before turn seven. So anything that costs six mana doesn't do any good. Um, it says, whenever a creature enters the battlefield, if there are two or more other creatures on the battlefield, exile that creature. Oh my gosh, this, what is this card? Return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control when Portculus leaves the battlefield. So there can never be more than two, two creatures, creatures on the battlefield. <laughs> Which, again... This is so built for a 1v1 game. That's great. <laughs> I love it. But if you walk in with the target and you know they're coming at you, this card hits the table and it just says, well... yep." Go ahead, guys. Go ahead, yeah. Swing at me with your two best things that you can get out. That's really funny. Yeah. That I, I love finding cards like this where there are so many times where you can abuse a card that was built for a different game, it almost feels like, but Commander really just rips it out and makes it really, really fun. Um, oh, jeez. Tainted Aether. Two and two black for an enchantment. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield, its controller sacrifices a creature or land. Yep. Ugh. So every time they play a creature or a token, they have to sacrifice a, a, a different mm-hmm. creature 
Actually, they could sacrifice the one they played or one of their lands. Yeah. Either way, you're either slowing them down or just not allowing that many creatures out. Yeah. And here's the thing, too. Like, if, if people are playing these cards or you're playing these cards and people have to get around them to kill you, and let's say they do have a kill or destroy an artifact right. or whatever, it's like you still set them back. That's a turn know? they didn't play a threat that's going to attack you the next yeah, turn. Yeah, exactly. So, and all you're trying to do is buy time to get to your turns. And mm-hmm. your turns are turns 8, 9, 10 when you get to win yeah. or have a chance to win. You know, you're just trying to get to the point where you have a chance to I win. I think this is a great strategy for a Jaleva deck in general. That's kind yeah. of how I built mine with propagandas and stuff is because you you need time to be able to really set up the combo when Jaleva swings. You know, you need to also cast her and not have her get killed immediately. You need to... And you're not going to play a bunch of creatures. You know, yeah, that's exactly. not what the deck's doing at all. So all this creature stuff doesn't do anything to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one that's like Tainted Aether is Spreading Plague. Uh, it's from Invasion. It's four and a black. For an enchantment, it says, whenever a creature enters the battlefield, destroy all other creatures that share a color with it. Wow. They can't be regenerated. Jeez. So this, How vicious is this? Yeah, it just keeps creatures off the battlefield. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody plays a red creature, all the other red creatures die. Like, that's just it. So, again, just slows them down. Um yeah, there's a bunch in this category. Yeah, yeah. This- Ma- Magus of the Moat, two and two white creatures without flying can't attack for a for an O three wizard. Like, how is this guy deciding that creatures without flying can't attack? He's an O three. Well, he's based. You know, all those Magus cards are based on enchantment cards. From oh, Earth. Okay. so there's so Magus of the Moon. Magus of the it's Moon, a, right? That's a that's a it's Blood Moon. moon on the this stick. one is Moat. Moat, oh, okay. Moat was an enchantment card, and Moat's like a two hundred dollar card. So I didn't list that, but right. It just said, yeah, unless it's just like a moat around your castle. Well, only flying things can get over the moat. So, unless you have flying, what you can't if you have attack. like a catapult card or something, then you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> then, dang it, we didn't think of that. Dang it. RD, <laughs> get on it, guys. Magas of the moat, not so broken anymore. Uh, and then there's a category I like to call just pure slow the game down. Mm-hmm. So, there's cards like uh, Crawl Space. Crawl Space is just an artifact that says no more than two creatures can attack each combat. Yeah. So just nobody can come at you with five guys at a time. They can only come at you with two, which that's not solving your problem. It's just slowing it down to the point where maybe that gets you to the turn you need to to go off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Silent Arbiter is another one. It's oh, a, I love this guy. Yeah, it's from... Cons- well, it's not originally from Conspiracy. It's, uh, it's from Fifth Dawn... Go ahead, read it. <laughs> it's a four drop that's perfect for Rafik. It's a one five artifact creature construct, and it just says no more than one creature can attack each combat, no more than one creature can block each combat. Now, if you're going against a Voltron general, this is like they're, they're like, great, I don't care. Um, but if you're going against a token strategy or just anything that really, like, even like just a good stuff deck, like this will shut it down. Yeah, exactly. Give you a lot of time. Yep. Um, it's, it's a great card to just slow it down and get you those turns you need. Uh, Blind Obedience, one of my old favorites we've talked about a lot. It, yes. It's just an enchantment that makes it so your opponent's stuff comes into play tapped. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to be able to do any haste shenanigans. It's just going to slow them down to the point where maybe you get to the turns you need. And another one that this doesn't see enough play is uh, Ether Swarm Canonist. Oh, interesting. It's a 2-2 for one and a white. It's an artifact creature, human cleric. It says each player who has cast a non-artifact spell this turn can't cast additional non-artifact spells. Now, this seems like, oh, I'm not an artifact deck. I don't want it. Mm -hmm. But a Jaleva deck isn't going to play five spells in a turn. Right. You know? A lot of decks aren't. They're only going to play one spell a turn. So, in which case, 
this card serves to protect you from the decks that are going to just dump three or four creatures out yeah. or play three or four things in a turn. So it'll just slow the other decks down because they're only going to get to cast one thing. doesn't matter how much mana ramp they got. They can cast one thing. Right. This card's from Shards from Alara. It was also reprinted in Modern Masters, which I never played in Modern Masters. I would never play this card. <laughs> Unless you're going full artifacts. Well, I only really played dra- Draft, so in Draft, this is not good. Yeah, it's not good at all in Draft. I guess, no, I played Affinity quite a bit. I might have played this once or twice. It's just... There's a... Yeah. I, I feel like there's always going to be a better option for Affinity than... than t- I mean, it is a nice two-drop for two. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And then, so because we've talked a lot about how you stop creatures, it's not mm. always creatures that are killing you. Sometimes it's spells. Uh, sorry. Sometimes it's instant sorceries, enchantments, artifacts. Right. You know, so there's a whole bunch of non-creature hate also out there. There's something like Thalia. Uh, Thalia yes. is a hate bear, so she's one in a white for a 2-1. And it, she says non-creature spells cost one more to cast. And she's got first strike. Whoa. Whoa. Big timing. So there's a whole bunch of cards that basically make spells cost more. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, just something you can play to just give yourself the time you need. You know, you're, yeah. not, you're not stopping them from playing their cards. You're just making them play a, them a turn late. Yeah. You know, and then you, and then you go Lodestone Golem, which also says Narn Artifact uh, spells cost one more to cast. You know, if you've got that and, th- and Thali out, then all of a sudden, you know, most of their spells cost two more. You yeah. Know? And you can stack these. There's Glow Rider. There's Sphere of Resistance, Trinosphere. You know, oh, these and of cards. course the biggest hate pair of them all, Gaddic Teague. Oh yeah, forgot this, all about this guy. Yeah. he had the whole deck tech on him too. Uh, he's just a legendary creature, Kithkin Advisor, which means you could be a general. Don't do he it. Could. No, don't do it. Guys. Oh, that's a mean deck. Uh, non-creature spells with convert a man cost four or greater can't be cast. Non-creature spells with X in their man cost can't be cast. Can't be cast. Yeah, he changes the rules of the game. Yes. So if you have Gaddic Teague out, you're just stopping anything that costs four or more that's not a creature. Mm-hmm. Or if it even has X in its mana cost, it's, it can't be cast. Yeah. And then, So what you can do is you can put Gaddic Teague out, you can get to the turn you want to get to, and then get him killed somehow. Sack and him. then go off how you want to go off. Yeah, 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 exactly. So that's another way to just keep the game under control, You know, get you to where you want to get to. Um, obviously, your pinpoint removal for non-creature spells would be kill target artifact, kill target mm-hmm. enchantment, blah, blah, blah. So... And then there's one more section that I call hate for high for low CMC stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting killed early, uh, you know, and they're coming after you before you know turn five six, it's usually by low casting cost stuff. Well, decks with that amount, you know, they want to be consistent. They're usually going to have a lot of right. low casting cost stuff, and so you can play cards that literally take advantage away from the low CMC stuff. And this is a lot of this stuff is expensive, but. There's stuff like show and tell. Oh yeah, they they like put out a, an elf and you drop Emrakul. Right. So show and well, tell. Emrakul is bad, yeah. Show and but. tell. Basically, each player gets to take one permanent from their hand and put it into play directly without paying its casting cost. Yeah, I think it's specifically. I mean, you can't do planeswalkers. I think it was right. It was I think it's it's, uh, it's creatures, artifacts, or enchantment. Right. It says each player may put an artifact, creature, enchantment, or land card from his or her hand onto the battlefield. Uh, I don't think anyone's ever going to play a land off of this right? for so, a three-mana source. So if you've got a bunch of decks and they're taking advantage of being fast, that mm-hmm. means they have a lot of two-drops, a lot of three-drops, and your deck is slow, which means you got a lot of seven-drops, a lot of eight-drops. So all of a sudden, you play show-and-tell on turn three, and mm-hmm. they put out a two-drop, and you put out Kozilek, yeah. you know, who's a huge uh, Eldrazi, or you put out Blightsteel Colossus, or you put out something huge. This is a way to take advantage of the gap that exists between those two types of decks. Mm-hmm. There's Hypergenesis, there's Eureka, Eureka. Braids, Conjurer, Adept. These all 
cheat things into play, but they allow every player to sort of put something directly into play without casting it. So, yeah. Oh, right. The blue braids. Yeah, blue braids, not the black one. The black one's banned. Uh, actually, I think she's not banned in the 99. She's just banned as commander, I think, now. No, they don't have that anymore. They just Oh, have... she's just straight banned. Yeah, they don't Sorry, have... braids. Yeah, sorry, braids. But this braids, Conjurer Adept... Go ahead, you want to read Oh, yeah. It's 2-2 two and two blue for a two, 2-2 two legendary creature. So this could also be a commander. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player may put an artifact, creature, or land card from his or her hand on the battlefield. So this That'd is... be a really fun deck to build, actually. Yeah. Just all huge stuff. Yeah, all huge stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's a deck. But you can play it within your deck also. And mm-hmm. this just, again, takes advantage of the gap that exists you know yeah. they've got two and three drops and you've got bigger stuff so yep this is it's a it's a way to sort of combat that thing and then so now we talk about the meta the politics right, right. This the second the way other to way deal. to deal with mm-hmm. with this sort of like my play group is focusing me consistently because they're scared of my deck on in the late game right so the next uh yeah section which is the meta politics which is the mm-hmm. second way to deal with being focused you know by your play group and not as easy as just straight cards is playing Thalia. <laughs> but it is, it is cheaper. And it is sometimes way more effective. I think it's way more fun, too. Yeah, like, This, is, this me, is the point of EDH. Yes. To this me, is what the like, all mastering about. this aspect of the game is just, it'll serve you so much better than going out and buying a bunch of cards. Yeah. You know, buy the cards, too. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying, like, this is what the game's really about. It's sort of maneuvering the situations and the personalities to your effect. So... It does require cards, but you can put cards in your deck that allow you to group hug, to mm-hmm. trade. You know, if your deck is built in such a way that you don't have any way to give anybody anything, yeah. then how can you barter? You know, if you put Humble Defector in your deck, Humble Defector is one and a red for a two one. You can tap it and draw two cards, and then you can and then you have to give it to an opponent. Hey, but sounds you, like some politicking. Yeah, but you get to choose which opponent it goes to. Mm-hmm. So. This is great. I get to draw two cards, and then Jimmy, just don't attack me anymore, and you can draw two cards. What if I attack you with the Humble Defector? No, that's not cool, man. Oh, okay, sorry, so I won't Well, do if you do that, you're not drawing cards with it. <laughs> it's true. This seems, I mean, I guess... <laughs> yeah, you, can... you know what? That is not... I'm going to draw cards with this and then give it right back to you. Josh, <laughs> we, we, we got a thing going exactly. here. Exactly. Now you have something to barter with. If you just play cards that are like, it's a 4-4 creature, you know, mm-hmm. with Infect, well, what are you going to... What are you bartering <laughs> with? You're only bartering with non-aggression yeah exactly which is not yeah it, it, oh by the way this this kind of bartering doesn't work hey look don't kill me and i won't murder you in two turns yeah that, <laughs> it doesn't work they're already trying to kill you before yeah. you can do stuff so yeah uh there's the whole offering cycle that we talked about right from the commander uh, 2014 product mm-hmm. so every color has like this dual there's, it says you choose to choose an opponent do something, choose an opponent do something. It could be yeah. the same person. And you both get upside. It's yeah, like, you both yeah. get upside, yeah. So this is another thing. It's like, I got this. You know, the green one is, you know, it's like make X one ones and then make an XX. Yep. And then you, you get both of those and then you can choose up to two target opponents and, they, and one can get one, one can get the other. Or you can say, Jimmy, you want both? Heck yeah, I do. Yeah, just don't attack me. Bring it in. I got, you can I got get a sack 21 ones and a 2020, and I'll take 21 ones and a 2020. And we're friends now, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, you know, oftentimes, too, when you're cutting deals with people, it's not like you're saying, hey, we're never going to attack each other ever again. Oftentimes, I find that it's like, hey, I'm going to cut you a deal. And then if I'm the person cutting the deal, in my head, I'm going, but I'm still going to be able to kill you at some point. Yeah, or if I'm the person getting like, a deal cut right with, now. I'm going like, Sure, I would love to be your ally for now, and then at some point, because you're the one cutting deals, I'm going to be able to turn the you know the stakes on you or turn the knife on you or whatever you know. It's the same idea as all those other cards that are just slowing it down, just mm-hmm. letting you get a couple extra turns. You know, that's what 
bartering and trading with your and allying. Yeah. It's not forever. It's just instead of me dying on turn six, maybe I make it turn turn eight or nine, and on turn eight or nine, I can I can go off. Yeah, you know, and then it's just trying to buy yourself time. Um, another one I really like is Edric, Spy Master of Tress. Oh, this card's so great. Yeah, he also could be a commander, but he's one and Simic, so one, a green, and a blue. Three total for a 2-2 Elf Rogue Legendary Creature. And he says, when a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents, its controller may draw a card. So what's that do? It just disincentivizes them from attacking you, because when mm-hmm. they hit you, they don't draw cards. When they hit each other, they draw cards. Yeah. This is one of my favorite commanders, just because... You can build him so many different ways, but also when he comes out, people don't attack the person with Edric. Why would I? I don't get any cards you when get I no attack. No cards for doing it. Yeah, yeah. But especially if, I... if you're swinging with like three creatures that are all going to connect or three flyers, whatever. Like you're going to draw three cards off of that baller. Awesome! Can't wait. Yeah, so it will totally diffuse a lot of aggression coming at you because mm-hmm. even if they've made an agreement, we're going to team up and kill this guy first. It's got to be like. Maybe I'm just going to hit you with a couple of these guys. Yeah. Just get a couple cards. And then the guy's like, why'd you do that? I'm going to hit you. And then before you know it, like you're you're in the clear. You're getting those couple extra turns. Yeah. Need. Edric should be more like the politic master of Trest. I don't know why he's, <laughs> he's, he's not spying on anyone. Everyone sees him when he's out there, and everyone's like, thanks, man. I'm going to go after these guys now. <laughs> I'm sure I'm missing some Vorthos here that I, that explains everything about him being a spy master. There's, well, there's some flavor text. I'll read it really quick. Oh, okay. Oh, what city is he from? Because I, I want to know this, too. Oh, actually. sorry. He's from... Uh-oh. I guess it's been the Commander card forever. Well, he was in Conspiracy. Was, and then, yeah, and then it was commi- printed in the original Commander set and then the Commander's Arsenal. It was also in Vintage Masters, but that was just an online set only and then Conspiracy. And there you go. He's a Commander product. And since absolutely no one cares, his flavor text says, I am not at liberty to reveal my sources, but I can assure you the price on your head is high. Ooh, I like it. That's actually kind of nice because he's hiring assassins. But what's I would that say, have to do with drawing cards? I would say like to that, hey, that's a compliment. The price of my head's high. Yeah, I'm a valuable target. I'm a valuable commodity. <laughs> Is that why everyone's swinging at me to draw cards? Minute. Somebody puts a price on your head, and that's what you think. I guess so. <laughs> if it's in magic, sure. If it's in real life, then I don't know how I got myself in this situation. <laughs> And then Please there's get a, me out of it. <laughs> so that, that's the sort of make alliances, cut deals way uh, mm-hmm. to use your politics. There's another way, though, and uh, this is a pretty effective one over oh, the yeah. long term. Yeah. This is sort of more of a meta play, but it's what I call the Cold War or the mutually <laughs> assured destruction strategy. This is you build your deck with a large amount of punishment. Yeah. So you play these cards. You know, your your goal here is to be like, listen, you may take me down. But, but the first guy that hits me will not win the game either, I promise. Yeah. And so you and, and here's what you're thinking. The key to this is to think of things that players absolutely abhor. They hate. Mm-hmm. And you play those cards. Not like Armageddon, because that hits everybody. Right. You know. But I'm talking about cards like, well, here's one. Abandon Hope. It's appropriately named, I guess. For this what is we're a very mean card. Abandon Hope is. It's one colorless, one black, and X. You choose and discard X cards from your own hand. Then you look at target opponent's hands, or target opponent's hand, and choose X of those cards, and that player discards <laughs> the chosen cards. So this can be like, listen, I'm going to die, but you're the first guy that came after me. I'm just going to take every card in your hand. <laughs> I promise you, you do that, you have that capability, they're going to think twice before they come after you because mm-hmm. they want to win the game ultimately. You know, the deal you're making when you're teaming up with two or three people to take down one person is like, listen, right now you have a 25% chance to win. If we all kill that guy, 
we all have a 33% chance to win. Right. Well, if you know that when you hit him first, he's going to steal your whole hand and put it in the graveyard or whatever, then you're not going to win. You just... Like you're like yeah, but the first guy that goes after him, he's just gonna take their whole hand. Yeah, so, or he's just gonna do every literally every card he plays is gonna be t- directed at that player. Yeah, at me. So I don't. You hit him first. Yeah, you know, and then you're like, no, you hit him first. No, you hit him first. And before you know it, it's turn eight or nine, and you can go off. <laughs> another one, another card that's banned in a lot of formats, but not in EDH is Mind Twist. Oh yeah, Mind Twist. Yeah, Mind it, Twist is just black and X. This card's vicious. Yeah, it was way too powerful back in the day. Again, this yeah. is a beta card. It's just black and X. It's a sorcery. It says target player discards X cards at random. Ugh, gross. So if you have this card and seven mana, they just discard seven cards. Yeah. And the interesting thing, too, is that even if you are assuring your own destruction in your all-out kamikaze war against someone to just take them out, you there is a sick fun to be had in doing yeah, it. Like, it, it totally is, is fun. <laughs> it's hilarious to watch someone like start crying tears of like <laughs> saltiness because they're just being wrecked by one person that they, they just didn't see it coming and you get to make it happen even though you don't win you can at least assure that you get some points on the board you get to kill someone <laughs> and you think of it in this way also like the reason that everyone's teaming up to come after you is because your deck has established a reputation mm-hmm. right and the reputation is that if we let him live then his deck's powerful and he'll win right well now you're trying to set a new reputation and the reputation is if i come after him he will do this horrible thing to me. Mm-hmm. And he'll even do it at the at the cost of hurting himself. Yeah. And, and then it's like, it's very scary to attack that person because they're willing to play the, the card that makes them discard their own cards to make <laughs> you discard cards. They just don't care. Yeah, they don't care. They just want to make sure you don't win. The nice thing is that a lot of these cards can be played in Jaleva's colors as well. So yeah. you don't even need to change your deck. You can, just, you can just modify it. I mean, there's so many great ways. That's why I love... Commander is just there's so many ways to build it, and you can just reformat your deck to just become, tweak it a little. Just to become, a little tweaks, yeah. yeah. Um, there's another card. This is one of the meanest cards in existence. It's called Identity Crisis. It's two colorless, two white, and two black, so six total for a sorcery. And again, these cards can cost a little more mm-hmm. because you just need to fire them off before you die. Oh my god! These cards aren't trying to make you win the game. They're just trying to make to punish your persecutors. So Identity Crisis, again... This is mean. <laughs> yeah, it's a sorcery. It says, remove all cards in target player's hand and graveyard from the game. It costs six. But they take like their Josh whole said. hand, their whole graveyard, and they're all exiled. Jeez. Yeah, this is a mean card. You wouldn't play it under normal circumstances. No. But if I'm walking into a room, and I know when I sit down at the table that three people are already allied against me... Right. This card's in my deck. And if you're going to sure. be playing multiple games, like just go ahead and just like show them that you mean business yeah. in the first one, and you won't get messed with. I'll stop playing cards like this as soon as you guys or at stop least teaming people, up on yeah. me. Here's the thing, too. Like in your play group, I hope they find more creative ways to win against you because if because teaming up is kind of boring, honestly. Like it can be fun though if you respond in this manner, and right. then if you just walk in, you're like, oh yeah, bring it, guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to be play Nemesis or whatever the mode is called, then like sure. But like otherwise, like three on one, it's not going to be that much fun for I think even the people teaming up to do it because it's like, of course you're going to probably do pretty well. You got three commander decks going against one, but that's a huge challenge that you can really relish. Which is yeah. like, yeah, they're all going to come after me, but let's see how this I'm going to make for them, them yeah. pay. Yeah, one way or the other. Yeah. Um, the another thing we know everybody hates is land destruction. Oh yeah, you've seen me use this to actually really good effect. So here's what I do. You have cards like Strip Mine, which is just a land you sacrifice to, mm-hmm. to blow up another land. Uh, Wasteland, same thing. Uh, you tap Waste or oh, Dust Bowl. You do that. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, Dust Bowl is another way to sort of continue to blow up lands, mm-hmm. non basics. But um, and then 
something like Vindicate, which we mentioned earlier, can kill lands. And Crucible of Worlds, of course. Crucible of Worlds lets you play your lands. I've had things happen like somebody played an Iona, and it's in one of my colors. <laughs> Craig did this a few, maybe a month ago or so. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I just started, strip. <laughs> I go strip mine your land, dust bowl your land, wasteland your land. He's like, wait, what? I'm like, till, as long as Iona's out there, I'm going to just keep destroying your lands. Yeah. You know? And I was like, Crucible of Worlds. Strip mine it again. Cruise, yeah, every bowl, guess what, Craig? Like, every turn you're losing a land. Yep, every turn I'm just gonna. I, and hey, because I, I can't win now because yeah. you have a Yona out. And he's not like, to Fine. mention everyone else that's in that color that you know shutting off is going. Ooh, yes, yeah. yes, play, have more fun, do it. But I'm like, as long as Yona's out, I can't win. But I, I can make sure you don't win. Mm-hmm. You know, and so and he eventually like sacked his own Yona just so I'd stop <laughs> destroying all his lands because it's not fun when someone destroys all your lands. You can't play anything. Yeah, that's true. That's that's amazing. That's a really interesting strategy too. I, I I like that. So you can do this again when they're teaming up on you. The first guy that hits you, the first guy that comes at you, mm-hmm. you just start taking. You can just make an irrational rule too. I like you wrote yeah. on the a, dis, a swift disproportionate response. Yeah, like we always talk about proportionate response. No, I will have a disproportionate response yeah. you, as soon as you hit me because I know you guys team up and come at me. Mm-hmm. So the first guy that touches me, I'm just over. I'm just gonna suicide kamikaze straight at you the whole game. Yep. Like I don't care. I'm not trying to win. I'm just trying to make sure you do not win. And you do that a few times. And you know what? It's true. It's much easier to make sure that someone doesn't win than to win the game. Right? Yeah, it's, it's so much easier to make sure you can do that. So that and that's the way. Like you do that a few times, and then they're gonna start being gun shy about coming after you about mm-hmm. doing this team up thing. The last, um, it's not the last category, but the last one I'm gonna talk about is just color hate. Mm, yeah. So again, cool. and I think normally I wouldn't do this, um, but if you're in a play group where you're being teamed up on like literally three guys every time or trying to kill, then you can play cards like Tsunami, yep. which are three in a green, destroy all islands. It's a sorcery. Um, if you know that they play, they're playing islands, you know, or if you know they're playing forests, then you can play Acid Rain, which is the, right. the same thing, but it's blue and it kills all forests. Heck, even if it wrecks your own islands, who cares? Just do it. Yeah, you, that's what I mean. Is like that's the great thing is like you're just you're not trying to win. You're just trying to mm-hmm. stop the them from from winning. You know? I know this. You left Blood Moon off this list. That's kind of color hate. It is, but I hate that card too much <laughs> to ever endorse the use of you it. You won't even type the words Blood Moon. No. Even if a literal not. Blood Moon happens in the sky and you're looking at it and you want to tweet about <laughs> it, you'd it. be like, look at that red orb floating close to Earth. <laughs> <laughs> the red satellite. Can't um, deal with it. Um, and there's two cards that I like. I wanted to talk about. We've never talked about them. Um, it's called Life's Force and Death Grip. So the oh my Life gosh. Force, I haven't it, seen this card ever too. This is a these, great card. The, yeah, these are from <laughs> these are from Alpha Beta for yeah. those people that want to know what's set. Um, Life Force and Death Grip are the green and black version. So they're the exact same except one's green and one's black. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna read. I'll read Life Force, but Death Grip is just the black version. So it's two green for an enchantment. Death Grip is two black for an enchantment, and it says pay two green counter target black spell, <laughs> and Death Grip is the black one. Says play two black. Counter-target, Counter-target green. green spell. I guess black and green just really have it out for each other. They hate each other. And beta, huh? So again, if you're playing Jaleva, you've got black, and you know somebody, one of the decks coming at you is green, just put Death Grip in there. Oh my gosh. They're yeah. just like, wait, you'll get one of those, hold on, what does that card yeah, do? I'm just going to counter your stuff, man. I, I may still lose to the other two guys, but it doesn't matter. Guaranteed like, you, every green spell you cast is going to get yeah. countered. Yeah. So again, color hate is just not the kind of thing that you bring out very often. It just yeah. seems too personal. But if it's personal if three guys are focusing you and team. Well, up. I mean, it's commander. I think a lot of people I think you'll find that people are gonna play more blue than anything else in general. So color hate is actually effective too in normal yeah. play groups. Yep, so. true. Can't blame you for it, that's for sure. 
And then the last thing I would say is that pinpoint removal is actually sort of the best answer in the sort of mutually assured destruction category. Mm-hmm. Because when you think about it, pin, the, the downside of pinpoint removal, and when I say that, I mean one for one. So your one card destroys one card out there or exiles right. one card out there. That's pinpoint. You know, it's the opposite of wrath, which is just destroy everything indiscriminately. You know, destroy all creatures, destroy all enchantments, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but pinpoint removal, the stuff that just, I play it, and it takes care of one specific card out there. That is really like very effective in the Cold War strategy, the mutually assured destruction strategy. Right. Because normally when you play that card, you know, if you if there's four players at the table and I play Path to Exile on your creature, well, I used a card, I got rid of one of your cards, but those other two players didn't really get rid of anything. They didn't lose anything. So what happened is you and me, we lost a card each. Mm-hmm. Those two players didn't lose anything, so they're just ahead of us. And they're happy that they, you got rid of whatever big threat it was, right? Right. I mean, they're teaming up against you. But right. In this case, they are, yeah. Yeah. But but so so what you did is you played a card that basically hurt you more than it hurt the rest of the table. Mm-hmm. You know, it hurt you and another guy. But if your whole goal is just like whoever touches me first, I'm <laughs> just going to make sure they don't win. Then, yeah. then those cards are great because you just fire them all at the one guy. And you don't care yeah. that like you're down cards to the other two guys. It's just like, you know, that guy's down cards right. to the other guys, too. So they may take you out, but that guy's not going to win. Yeah. It's a fun war of attrition. Yeah, exactly. Where you don't care about the actual attrition. You're like, oh, great. Let's go for I'm it. I'm going to lose anyway. Like, it's yeah. three on one. I just want to make it I just want to make it so that the next time you come after me, you're like, hey, why don't you hit him first? And, they're, and that guy's like, no, you hit him first. Or they're just going to look at each other and be like, well, guess we'll play a normal game of Commander now. Exactly, <laughs> because nobody wants to be the first guy yeah. to swing at the crazy guy. Yeah, and at some point, people will realize, like, well, you can get to turn eight or nine, and if, as long as I hold up a counterspell, I think I'll be okay. You know? Right, they're just going to have to come up with another way to defeat your deck that maybe not, like, yeah. not so like obviously all three guys just make an agreement before the game even starts. And for those of you out there that are listening to this and think like, gosh, this is this is dumb. Why? I mean, like people are just going to hate me for doing this or like I, I don't want to do this at all. I think it's negative for the playgroup. I think ultimately you need to phrase it in a way in your head that's actually like, look, you're actively evolving the meta of your playgroup. Yes. And you are making everyone a better player because you're making you're forcing everyone to make decisions that they've never had to make before. It's fun. It's that's really fun. Like playgroups evolve and they go through stages. We talked yeah. about how like graveyard decks work and somebody will make a really powerful graveyard deck and then some people will start playing graveyard hate. Mm-hmm. And then the graveyard deck will be crappy and it'll suck and they won't play it anymore. And then the graveyard hate you'll take it out of your deck because nobody's playing a graveyard deck. <laughs> and then the graveyard deck will come back. Yeah. You know, and this is the same sort of evolution of like like, oh, your deck's powerful, these guys. So the next, the step, the countermeasure they take is they, you know, team up and they focus on you. And mm-hmm. then you play all these crazy cards that doesn't make you win, but it makes sure one of them loses. Yeah. And then they stop teaming up on you. And then your deck comes back, at the, like, and now it's powerful late game. And then they're like, you know, and there's just this continue evolution, this continue, like, circle yeah. that happens on multiple axes. You know, the graveyard axis, the this one, you know, there can be a whole bunch going on at once. And that's what's awesome is like this mm-hmm. fluctuation that's just occurring in your playgroup that's just constantly evolving and constantly making you change. Yeah. Push the limits. Change the meta. Why not? I mean, especially in this case, uh, and, uh, with our the, the listener question, the meta needs to change. So. Yeah, it needs pushes. And these guys, mm-hmm. are they took the next step, and you have to take the step past that. Yeah. And then just watch. It'll continue to evolve. And then somebody else will have the deck that everyone wants, you know, everyone's scared of. And mm-hmm. then, you know, then somebody will build a second deck, and, and some of you guys will have two or three decks, and that'll change everything, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Don't get discouraged yet. Yeah. Just keep, you know, this take some of these strategies, 
you know, you'll see your meta will evolve. It, it, metas just don't stay the same forever. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. So Time that for- does it for our two topics. That was good. That was a good, nice, hearty discussion. I feel refreshed. I like that. I like that. Sweating Oof. a little bit. Ooh. Yeah, it is a little hot in here. We have to turn the AC off every time we record. Otherwise, you hear a, you'd hear a oh, whisper. A thousand wind. winds. A thousand winds, yeah. <laughs> a thousand chilly winds taking us down to a nice 72 Fahrenheit or whatever. By the way, it hit 85 in LA today, so a happy winter to you guys, too. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> I, I, We're, yes, we always brag about the weather. I'm, I'm sorry. not trying it's to gloat. something people from LA do. And it's, I mean, I miss the other seasons. I wish I had fall, but it being 85. I don't wish nice it at the thing. cost of having it be like yeah. 20 Well, looking right at now. my friends living in Boston in New York right now, yeah. and they can't even open their front doors, it's like, all right, that's cool. I think I will stick with LA for uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> Traffic be damned. I'll, I don't care. You know. All right, time for the end step. Yep, clean up phase. Do you have a cool thing? Oh, I have something really quick. Yeah. My cool thing. Well, no, no, you go first. I, I didn't have one yet. So oh, okay. I was okay. <laughs> My cool thing is the Masters of Modern Podcast. We haven't talked about them in a few weeks. That's right. But Alex and Ben do a great job. In fact, mm-hmm. they have a lot to talk about right now because the Pro Tour was, was a modern, modern Pro yeah. Tour. And, and a lot of crazy things happened. Well, because there was bannings, mm-hmm. you know, Treasure Cruise got banned, Dig Through Time got banned, Birthing Pod got banned. So basically the door was just like, it was just kicked all the way in. Yeah. And all these decks that maybe, you know, had been... Uh, they've been oppressed for so long because right. they've or been, just in someone's head, you know. Yeah, they just they just couldn't beat Birthing Pod or they mm-hmm. couldn't beat the Delver decks or whatever. Like all of a sudden, all those decks were like possible again, and then so we saw a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah, and uh, so you should definitely check those guys out, especially if you watch the Pro Tour coverage and you saw yeah. all the modern. And you're interested in getting involved in modern. You know, Alex and uh, Ben they know a lot about it and they do a really good job. And they we've have this group in LA. That's very up and coming in the pro tour scene. Uh, that yeah. happen to be like um, Alex knows these guys really well. We've played with them a few times. Mm-hmm. We run across them at PTQs and stuff over here. Um, and and they've they've won GPs recently, and they're going yeah. to the pro tours. And and so Alex and Ben get those guys on as guests, and they obviously know a lot about the format. And, and uh, so they just got two of them on actually last week uh, as guests. So if you guys check out that podcast, it's all online at the same website, rocketjump.com slash podcast. Yeah, you can follow them at the MM cast. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, you can see all the new episodes posted there. They're also on YouTube. Uh, You can check them out. Yeah, Alex started making other videos and it's good times. Yeah, so definitely I would would highly recommend it. And you know what? They do broad topics also that can definitely help you. uh, Yeah, like tournament prep. I think there's good playing habits, Mm -hmm. you know, little tricks on how you sort of maybe go about playing the game or remembering your triggers or things like that. And that's very useful. I think their next episode is how to read your opponent, which is super valuable. Oh, yeah. I think I may be on that. All right. It's possible. So if you guys want more Josh, who doesn't definitely check out the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, so the podcast is great. Uh, it's again Masters of Modern at the MM Cast. They talk about modern and just a whole breadth of other stuff. And if you go into the older episodes, uh, Glenn Jones was the original co-host, and there's a lot of really great wisdom back in there too. Yeah, Glenn, who is working at Wizards now. Woohoo, go Glenn! Pretty good pedigree. Yeah, actually, I played EDH with Glenn and his friend David McDarby, who's now also going to be working at Wizards. So maybe it's the magic touch. Once I meet someone, they go to work at Wizards. That seems cool. I, it's probably I'm probably not the base <laughs> common denominator, but <laughs> I, just, I threw my I threw my name in there. Maybe who knows? <laughs> just take credit for it. <laughs> it's all my fault. <laughs> not fault. It's all my uh, responsibility. I don't know what yeah. the word is. In response, I go to work at Wizards. All right, woo. <laughs> 
Um, I guess my, my, my end step thing will also be magic related. If you want to find Josh or myself on Magic the Gathering online, we run drafts. I pretty much only play limited online. Um, but our names on that are Jimmy underscore CMDZ and Josh underscore CMDZ. Yeah, definitely look us up. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, we haven't, we don't play Commander online really. Yeah. Uh, I just miss the social aspect too much. I agree. But if you ever want to draft or play limited or something, let us know. and mm-hmm. Or just look us up, you know, say hi. Yeah. And we'll say hi back, of course. Yeah. And then maybe some other stuff. Maybe, yeah, you can ask us a question. I'll, we'll ask you a question. That's kind of how the conversation thing happens. Wait, it seems like the conversation's going to be really awkward. Maybe we'll send like, a, <laughs> maybe I'll send like an emoticon to lighten the mood. <laughs> All right, no, I'm just kidding. I'm great. I, I spent years on AOL Instant Messenger. I will ace this portion of the conversation. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Yep. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.